You're listening to the State of Play, your quickfire roundup of all things Irish football and beyond. Coming up on this episode, the FAI are dragged in front of the Oireachtas again, a new man in the running to replace Stephen Kenny, and the club president who knocked out a referee in Turkey. Well, he's resigned. All of this and more coming up on tonight's State of Play. How are you doing? Yeah, good. Thanks, Dave. Looking forward to covering the uh, Oireachtas committee. Another Gaelic word you've uh, brought into my vocabulary. Yes, I did uh, what Mick McCarthy had to do. I sent over a phonetic uh, translation (laughs) via uh, VHS in the post to you. That's what Mick McCarthy had to do to learn the Irish national anthem. Um, Yes, to teach all this, you know, plastics. Plastics? No, no. I I was just joking. This is what we. So many people on YouTube now. Even more. Oh, I've already done that, Martin. (laughs) It's too late for that, mate. There's no. There's no coming back. We'll get to those in a second. David Dunn here, joined by Martin Prendergast, as usual. You're very welcome to another episode of the State of Play. Uh, If you're watching us on our YouTube channel over at Lansdowne Road, hello. You can see him. You know, or here. I'm here in my lovely. studio here in london and martin's in his man cave in his mom's basement not just joking um his lovely man cave also in london that his wife probably doesn't know but does your wife know about that man cave yeah yeah of course yeah okay was she happy about it yeah it's the office basically so (laughs) (laughs) the flags in the background Uh, but yeah so if you're watching us on youtube hello uh if not if you're listening to us on spotify but also want to watch us on youtube as well well you know head over to YouTube and give us a cheeky little subscribe there. You can also head over to the website, greenmachinepodcast.com. That's the greenmachinepodcast.com where you can get all these episodes, audio versions and articles and loads of all that lovely stuff. Right. Well, actually, before we get into it, um, Martin, let's go into uh, some comments from last week, uh, which were, were, uh, are always welcome, by the way, um, as he says, smirking. Um, no, no, no. Well, we are the most interactive uh, Irish football podcast out there, Dave. So we do welcome the feedback. We are the voice of fans. And when you have a voice, are you good to the fans a voice? Sometimes they talk and sometimes they say things they don't want to hear. But but that's okay. Um, obviously, last week we were talking about uh, the FAI, as we are, about uh, this week as well. And we mentioned Joey Barton. When I put it up on the Facebook channel over in Lansing Road, Somebody commented, they were like, what's this Joey Barton doing on this page? What's he got to do with Irish football? I'm here for Irish football. I've come to the wrong place. It's a state of play, mate. It's about the Irish football team, Irish football and beyond. You know, that's what we do. So, you know, Joey Barton was in vogue for all the wrong reasons, as he always is. And basically he was giving out about uh, women commenting on the men's game. Uh, We had a couple of comments about that. One was from Darren O'Hare. I think not, what's his name on, uh, he's a Bose fans anyway. He just mentioned that this gender balance thing is absolute nonsense. Whatever happens to hiring the best person for the job, regardless of their gender, nationality, race, etc. <laughs> Fair enough. And then he has somebody commenting there, absolutely spot on. And this same guy, um, I'm, I'm six, four, nine, four, I don't know. He sort of like agrees with everything, goes, yeah, probably you, Martin, is it? Um, <laughs> And uh, basically, you have Tom Dance, 33, a big part of entertainment. Uh, sorry, a big part is entertainment. And none of us want to listen to women about men's football. And your man, I'm mine, 6497. Absolutely, he says. 
And then uh, Barry Murray, 4923, let's be honest, 99.9% of men, if they're being completely honest, would prefer men commentating and being pundits on the men's game. Hosting, I have no issue with, but pundits and commentary, no. And he has it all in caps there. It's more like, no. Um, and then I am mine, 6494, comments on that. Anyone who's interested in the game would want the best person for the job. And then Barry Murray responds, yes, someone who's played a game at the highest level. <laughs> or in... Um, uh, what's the thing? The brackets, brackets, yeah. and he has a man. Oh, Jesus, um, I wasn't uh short of some criticism myself here. Jim Bear, how you doing, Jim? Uh, Jim Bear, um, says about we also talked about Lee Brady wanting maybe Martin Kerr, Martin Kerr, Brian Kerr. Well, <laughs> I'm really good. What, what a hybrid. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Oh, God, I don't even want to think about that. That's a mess. Um, <laughs> but <Jeez>. anyway, <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm going for it this week, Martin. Um, <laughs> Jim Bear says, I agree, Martin, in terms of uh, Liam Brady saying that he wanted Brian Kerr as Ireland manager. It was at the Soccer Writers Awards and Brian Kerr was there and Liam was asked about it. So maybe it's just been generous. Anyway, uh, I agree, Martin. Uh, Kerr was probably being talked up simply because he was at the event. I do think David continues to be too harsh in judging Kerr. Young fans would think Kerr couldn't coach. Kerr took over Ireland with two losses in, 2000, in the 2004 Euros campaign and came close to qualifying where he came down to the last game. In 2006 World Cup qualifying, uh, he had four wins, five draws and only one loss. Kerr won 18. Um... Drew 11, lost only four with best winning percentage, 55% of any Ireland manager. He wasn't exciting offensively, but his teams were sound. Now, I did say to, to Jim, I said, look, you know, I'll respond to this here. Um, look, I don't, I think Brian Kerr, yes, he could coach, but he couldn't do it at the highest level. He couldn't do it at senior level. Uh, he won yours with the under 16s and under 18s. Um, I believe, oh, I better get that right, Marin. When, when I tell you about the next comment, heaven forbid I'm making Jesus, um, or get my years wrong. But uh, yeah, but when it came to the men's national team, it wasn't good, Jim. It wasn't. And okay, yes, he had a 55% win percentage, but most of those wins came in um, friendlies. And when it mattered, he couldn't do it. And I, I tell you what you say about the 2004 Euros campaign. Uh, Mick, we had the opening 4-2 loss in Moscow to Russia and the 2-1 loss at home to Switzerland. However, the Russian team was in disarray. Uh, there was a game against Russia at home where if we beat them, they were out of the running. We would have actually knocked them out of the running and we would have been guaranteed to lose the playoff. But the negative tactics on the care, he lost the players and he did. He had a public fallout with uh, a Robbie Keane. Uh, Duff was paraphrased, I think I'm saying that correctly, uh, by John Delaney. <laughs> Not really helped my argument there, but he turned around and said that, you know, David Duff told him that under care they were set up like a pub team and actually care threatened legal action. Uh, there's no smoke without fire. You know, it, it didn't, it wasn't good. Um, yeah, he could coach, but at the youth level, I mean, his only other management job was with the Pharaohs in terms of international management. Obviously, he had great success with, with St. Pat's, but yeah, it just didn't translate. Uh, what he did with the Euros, and he did fant uh, with the um, youth sides with the Euros, winning back-to-back -back Euros. Fantastic, but it did not resonate with the senior team. He only had the highest-ranked team he beat competitively was Georgia, and they were 83rd. He did not beat a team competitively in the top 80. Uh, 
and that was a very good, very good side. The games, the performances, I've gone back and watched these. The performances under care were, were dropped. Uh, the game against France in, in Paris in 04, uh, France were missing a massive chunk of their players. They had a guy making his debut. If I remember, Vieira had retired. Zidane had retired. They obviously came back in the fold later on for the game in 05, in September 05. Uh, it just wasn't good. He had the game against Israel where he was 2-0 up, made the, made the um, substitution where he took off. Um, Robbie King got injured after it was 2-0 at home to Israel. We were phenomenal in that game. And he took off, uh, he took off Keane. Brought on Graeme Kavanagh, moved Caban, who was having a blinder in the midfield, uh, in the centre midfield with Matt Holland, onto the left. Duff, who was doing brilliantly with Andy Reid on both wings because they were two footed, moved him up front with, with Clinton Morrison and it ruined it. And we ended up getting a 2 2 draw. You know, I, you say he was sound. Well, you know, he threw away two in the lead anyway. But that that's just where I'm coming from with Kerr. Nothing against him, but. I just didn't enjoy the football. I thought the football was very poor on the care as well. It was very boring. It was very laborious. We had one decent performance, and that was against Israel at home. Um, Nigel Fall, or Nigel Fall, uh, I don't know how you pronounce your name. Uh, ironic that the two lads are on about creating narratives and going on about informed journalists who would be good talking about football. Uh, then David proceeds to spin Kerr's record, ignoring the fact that he has the best win ratio of any Irish manager and only lost a few games. Plus, David had to check the year Brian Kerr was a manager as well, correcting himself. Real hurler in the ditch stuff and ill-informed. Uh, which leads me on nicely to the gripes with the GAA, as if to imply that the GAA is at fault for the state of Irish soccer. Uh, that implication is embarrassing. The GAA has had nothing to do with how soccer must manage itself from peak of massive crowds of drums v bows to state that the League of Ireland is in today. Well, first of all, you're on about me spinning, uh, Nige. Um, is that not spinning, Martin? If, if you turn around and say, oh, yeah, but he had the, he had the best record of any manager, but actually don't point out that um, he didn't beat a team that went inside the top 80 competitively. Is that not spin? It is, yeah. It is spin, yeah. Exactly. So, you know, you're doing it. The very thing you're accusing me of doing, Nigel, you're doing yourself. So, I mean, have another go there, lad. Um, also, I do not think... And also, the whole thing, uh, the comment about me having to correct myself, plus David had to check the year Brian Carroll's manager as well, correcting himself. I said 2002, which is when Mick um, stepped down, and then I corrected myself a second later. So actually, no, it's 2003 because we had the game against Greece under Don Givens in 2002. And the first game was against Scotland, 2-0 winning on the park in 2003. Uh, yeah, apparently that's ill-informed stuff. That's absolute nonsense. And that that itself, if you're trying to discredit me because I made that one error, which I actually corrected without plotting straight away, that is what real hurler in the ditch stuff, whatever that means. I've never heard that expression before. So I think you're <laughs> yeah, you've already been dug out for the GAA stuff. You need yeah. to get, get, get acquainted with these, uh, these phrases, Dave. Oh yeah. Uh, that's... yeah I think on the, on the GAA though. Yeah. Look, it's an interesting argument. Does, does, I, I think, uh, like GAA and that we're kind of bashing there at all. I'm, I'm a fan of the GAA. No. So uh, it's Why not, not that at all. I, I think it's, um, it's a strange sporting situation in Ireland, to be honest, that we have very successful sporting achievements at, at many different sports. Like the GAA is a dominant force, of course. Um, also do well in rugby, as we know, the World Cup exploits especially. Yeah, but we never, um, we, we never no, said we've never bashed G that. No, no, I've never no, bashed we've, that. We, we've never no. said that the, the no. GAA 
Uh, we're going to talk about it here in, in a minute. The FBI are right now in this very moment in the shit because of their own incompetence. It is that simple, and years and years of mismanagement. No one has said, "Oh, the JA have done this." The JA have done that. What I, I believe, I said, was that actually, no, it's more the um, there's people there that don't want to see football in Ireland mm. succeed, yeah. and that is true. And we're going to read. Well, I believe that's true anyway. And the FAI keep handing through their own incompetence, keep handing the baton keep handing the stick over to these guys and hit me again and again and again. Like tonight we're, we're going to be talking about the Matt, the, the Oireachtas meeting was twofold. It was a twofold, two part meeting. One about the Jonathan Hill thing. And the other one was about, um, Oh, we need a billion quid to get facilities up to scratch. That's nothing to do to JA. We'd never actually said that. And yeah, to impl to imply that is embarrassing, but you're the one applying it. Nice. Mm -hmm. Not us. So, <laughs> There you go. Thank you for watching, by the way, Nige. And uh, if you, <laughs> if you, um, you know, you can head over to thegreenmachinepodcast.com and, uh, you know, give us a subscribe. <laughs> uh, listen, you can have your say. I can have mine. That's my right of reply. And you can have your right of reply to that, and we'll get back to it next week anyway. Uh, right, Martin, let's get into it. The FEI were at the Oireachtas uh, on the uh, 13th of uh, December. twenty. 23 uh just putting a little time stamp on that so we've got a few notes here so i'm reading it from my phone so we're going to freestyle this a little bit i think because it's it's still new uh the rockers report i think the rockers only finished like this evening um in dublin but um basically the last time that the fei were dragged in front of the rockers under a cloud shall we say <laughs> and he never under a cloud um was in 2019 the infamous one with uh jonathan lane uh, John Delaney, where he took out a note from his from a solicitor and basically said, I'm not going to answer any questions because, you know, yeah, I, I don't have to. I have a note from my mammy. But this was a bit different. Um, Roy Barrett, Liz Joyce and the CEO, Jonathan Hill, the man under fire at the moment, uh, they did engage and they did answer questions. We also had Packy Bonner. Um, he joined on Teams. As you said here, Martin, you did the notes. A uh, bit of a love-in from one TD to Packy, which ate into the time. Were you a bit starstruck, Martin? Was yeah, it? they were. Um, and that's the thing, you know, it's basically saying to Packy that he, he was a hero growing up and an inspiration and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, these, I think it's just it's in interesting to understand how the Oireachtas Committee TDs have to operate. They get a limited time to kind of get their questions across. Yeah. And if you're going to start kind of blowing smoke, I was going to finish that phrase there, but if you're going to start doing that, it does eat into your time to kind of get to the nitty gritty points that you want to get. You'd be to. very and welcome in Kerry, indeed. That's it, exactly. Um, you know, and, and that, that embarrassing um, situation in twenty nineteen. Right? This was a lot different to then. Um, yeah, it, it was an interesting one, really, really, because a lot will come out from this. Um, and naturally, there was a grilling of the FAI because we all know this scenario they created themselves with this overpayment or holiday loo payment um which you know did sadly deal well resulted in the government breach of kind of the agreement they had when they were bailing them out and giving them money so they ceased that until they corrected it um very negative implications from that so they're rightly going to ask the questions of the board of directors and 
you, yeah, you it, was, it was a weird one really you said in your notes because you were looking at it all uh today um that you feel barrett who came out and obviously you know he was the one that sort of he approved the payment didn't he yeah, well, he, so sort of... two, two kind of things with this is is that first of all, there was a lot of questions on Jonathan Hill's salary, which has increased um, mm. over year, over the years. And, and one of the TDs did ask him the questions of, can you just kind of confirm your your salary uh, increases over time? And, um, you know, this is the, the, the fact of this is when he was employed in 2020, his contract laid down that his wage would move in line with the salary for the secretary general of a government department. And it was a condition of the memorandum of understanding agreed between the FAO and the government when a bailout was thrashed down in 2020. So Hill, Hill's income will go up because that's just what's happening um, in, in the government, basically, as well. You know, TDs and kind of secretaries mm. are being paid more. So he said that's something actually out of his control because that's the agreement that was done. And, and sure and, he's devastated about that. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but one, one thing about that is, you know, it does go back to that point of when he first went into the FAI, he said to the staff that, you know, we're all into this together and, you know, we're talking about wages and things like that. You're talking about thousands of pounds going to this guy in, in, in wages increases on his mm. contract. Whereas, you know, it's, I think a 3% increase is what some of the kind of, basic staff for the FAI have me, got. And, and that's why they're quite pissed off with it to be honest let, let me read out uh, i've got some notes here just basically what the contract situation is so jonathan hill says that the forty-seven thousand euro salary increase he's received since becoming the fai ceo is out of control as you said there martin because it's written into the terms of his contract it was outlined that when hill was appointed in 2020 his contract laid down that his wage would move in line with the salary for the secretary general of a government department this was a condition of the Memorandum of Understanding, the MOU, agreed between the FBI and the government when a bailout was thrashed out back in 2020. Now, this is eye-watering money, right? He's on an eye-watering amount of money. However, it still doesn't go near what John Laney was on. He was on over 400 grand. Yeah. But anyway, uh, he'll explain that his wage had increased from 211,000 euros in 2020 to 217 in 150,000 in 2022 and there was a minor rise this year um to the figure of 258,000 so he is on 258 grand but still nowhere near what John Delaney was on and that is in line with a governmental um department that's not his fault that isn't his fault mm. to some of this that is that that's not his fault that's a 22% jump um that doesn't even include your pension um, there was obviously, you know, I think you, you touched on the staff there. I think a lot of the lower paid staff are very like, they've only got 3% and they're looking at that going, you what? Like, really? Yeah. I mean, that can't be good. And, you know, H Hill was commented. Um, he said that, you know, he thinks staff are now fully aware of it because it's, it's fully reported in the media, his wages. I mean, we don't all know what a CEO gets, but obviously he's down as a, as a government, the gen, secretary general of a government department, um, or in England, that would be a secretary of state, wouldn't it? Um, but yeah, he said it's reported in the media, and you know, when he was asked, well, you know, is that a bit damaging for LT morale? He goes, Look, it's not something I asked for, it was something that was offered as part of the contract negotiation, as part of the MOU. That is what the contract is. He continues, That's how the contract is structured, as always. The board will look at that and review it. Um, he also said that 
look, anything I get here has to be increased by the board. Oh, sorry, has to be greenlighted by the board. And uh, Liz Joyce, who we mentioned earlier on, she did actually confirm this. And she said, look, it has to be approved by the board and discussed by the board. Um, she also went on to say that Barrett approached her in December 2022 to discuss the prospect of Hill receiving payment for 12 holidays he wasn't able to take across the calendar year. She was against it. Uh, she said, when the, when the inquiry was raised, I said, I didn't think it was a good practice. Uh, that's what she said today. I assumed that that was the end of the matter. I became aware that the payment was made in September of this year. I had heard nothing subsequent to the inquiry. So, yes, it was a surprise. So, basically, left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. That's great, isn't it? Yeah, and Packy was asked about this as well. And, and yes. you know, he, he did say that he felt disappointed in it, that this decision had been made. And this is where I kind of have a, a bit of a theory on... On, on Barrett. I mean, Barrett's now no longer on uh, chair of the board and he's, he's stepped down, of course, but, and he doesn't have to probably be there, I don't think. Um, but he kind of is going to be the full guy, I think, for this, because really, mm. let's look at it. The FAI have kind of come from a very bad place, 2019, John Delaney not answering questions. We put in place these processes and things from the years. This is a big test for them and they failed with this wages being disclosed by a fantastic scoop, ultimately, from Mark Ty, of course, from Champagne Football. So they've had to kind of, they're under scrutiny. We've also then, people are starting to ask more and more questions of Jonathan Hill. But I do think Barrett is the full guy. And what I think he's doing that is he's taking responsibility for this. Um, one of the TDs there today actually said, it's incredible arrogance, very similar to John Delaney. The fact that he said, I made that decision. I thought it was for the best of the association to give these holidays in lieu. Um, I think though, as I said, Barrett's taken the fall because ultimately we're going to look back at the three-year tenure of him as the chair of the board and you're going to look back and think right, you've learned nothing from, came from a big mess here yeah the, oh, this guy there's been a cock up here but actually it's the guy who's now no longer there he's he was the one who made that decision the board won't do it again little rap on the knuckles there you go i think packy came out of it quite well now we know packy's a legend of irish football mm. there's a lot of people i've seen on twitter today even chatting after this just saying you know he's the one who you know surely i think actually packy referenced some of the information, uh, the, the processes and things he had achieved when he was technical director of the FAI previously today, which I think if, I haven't read all that completely, but I think that's quite an astute political move from, from Packy if he did that. I'd have no doubt at all. I, I think I think Packy Bonner will be the CEO in the future. I think um, he, he is the person for the, for the role in a sense. Um, and and I, I would actually put it out there to the kind of listeners and, and viewers to see if Packy was involved at a senior level uh, as that role, would that restore people's face in the FBI? Would it bring sponsors in? You know, I think Jonathan Hill has to be looked at here a lot more closely. The payment thing doesn't look good. He, he kind of got away with it a little bit today. The payment didn't look uh, good. You know, he can talk about his wages, but he's never actually been scrutinised on well, what he's done or not done. You know, we've he, had he, for a lot he, what, of years of failure in a sense. He, he was, it was kind of asked, wasn't it? Well, why haven't you brought in an amends sponsor yet? And, he, and it just got a lot of stuff kind of got covered in the dirt. Um, I mean, here, here was just some of the comments here. Uh, Finnegal TD, Alan Dillon called the FBI's version of events as a cock and bull story. Hill mm -hmm. said he was entitled to his opinion. Chris Andrews, Sinn Fein, um, TD, or his sport arms review all decisions he made over almost a four year tenure about Hill. So, you know, you're saying they're, they're gonna, he needs, he wants them to look into what he's done. And I agree. Here's a guy who said he was going to move over and he hasn't. 
you know, he's still living in London. What's that about? How can you be CEO? How it's it's ridiculous. It's utterly ridiculous. What other sport will, will we be talking about in this country than football? Um, the man who's brought in to you know save pair of hands. He's come over from England. You know, no more controversies. We need to have the windows opened. We need to get rid of the stench of the last few years. We need to get rid of all that, all of that, you know, that stigma that football, administration of football in this country has because of incompetencies from the FAI over different generations, different people doing it. And we need somebody to just be nice and boring. Not, you know, we need money as well. So we need to clear out the air, get rid of all that stench. And then maybe people will start believing in us when we're not making headlines for all the wrong reasons. And here you go. He's, we're right back in it again. And he's just set football back probably another decade. It's going to take about 10 years to to rid ourselves of this. And, you know, I'll let you come in, in a second, Martin. Sorry. Mm. I'm just, I just want to get, get all the comments in. Um, Chris Andrews. Yep. Yeah, sorry. I mentioned that. His party colleague, Imelda Munster, said, I'm disappointed at this fiasco. And don't get the impression lessons have been learned. Um, casting her rights, she basically looked over at the Sport Ireland report when she said that. Uh, long for Senator Michal Carragy, we've had a poor leadership and it comes from the top. When we had issues with the Boxing Association a few years ago, it approved as a chairman and chief executive, and maybe something similar um, can happen here, basically hinting at maybe Hill should go. Yeah, and I, I, I've got to question Hill here a little bit on does he really for for that money as a ceo is he is he as an administrator of football because basically that's what he is in a sense does he need is, this? is he in is he in demand does he need this hassle of working with an association that you know is in a mess and he's an outsider coming into it i, I just got a question that like why is he bothered surely he can go and get another job ua for something similar money without having to deal with it i mean this is a very simple George job. Euro 2028, of course, but like I, I just don't, I, I really don't get it. And then even Barrett now, you know, like I've seen, I've seen on Twitter as well, Gareth Farrelly, um, yeah. who's quite astute with like football business kind of mindset. You know, he's saying, well, if Barrett's made that decision and now come out with it when he stepped down, surely we've got to be looking at the decisions he's made in the past three years. What rings with that though, um, and kind of gives me a bit of concern is. We are very invested at the moment in Irish football in the in the search for a new manager, and we've mm. let the board are going to be ratifying all that recommendation. But basically, it's on the back of I think I said on the podcast before, it's going to be on the back of the recommendation of one guy, Mark Hannum, who's coming in there to do that. Like what I know, he might have a fantastic CV of what he's done and things like that. You know, headed up the Premier League or whatever he did. But we're going on that direction and we've done it in the past with you know technical directors the dutch lads in there and and now we're just going on the say so of one other person and that's what they've done at the administration as well that barrett was there doing it and now you know and, and now we've got like jonathan hill is gonna be is he you know letting him take the fall for that and it's just such a still a, a complete mess and i think what we're gonna have now is positive spin from hill that mm. We went to the Oroctus, we answered all their questions. We're up there again on the 1st of February because they're in with the Dolaire and again on something else, more about the accounting procedures, I think. But, you know, we'll have positive spin now in the next two weeks. We'll have a new Irish women's no, manager. We'll, we'll have this search in the, in the background for the men's manager, all the speculation. And it's basically hiding all this other stuff that's going on and it's going wrong in the background. Well, I, I don't know. I, I think this is... 
I don't see how he could continue. Look, this is the simplest, easiest job in the world for anyone to come in in terms of football. And the reason why I say that is all Jonathan Hill had to do was not be John Delaney. Don't get if you know, don't get embroiled in controversy. We, we we've had enough of that. Just do as you're told with the government. You know, with the implementation of the gender um, representation, which finally, at the second time of asking, got put through. You know, just just don't be like John Delaney. Don't have all of this sort of like dragging the association through the dirt and. What and it's it's the same thing, isn't it? It's money. It's money again. People don't obviously. People don't. He was going to go in there and he was going to rattle a few cages. Um, you know, you, we you've heard we've heard that people in the FAI didn't like him before this. So the first mistake he made when when you are going to have to rattle a few cages and bring in changes because there's a lot of people in there that there are people there are good people in the FAI that are trying to do their absolute best. Right, we're, we're not trying to. That would be unfair to turn up the same brush but they need leadership. They need, you know, shit rolls downhill. It needs, they need leadership. And then basically you're going to rattle a few cages. So they're going to be out after you. These things are going to get leaked. Absolutely. You know, and then once, once they're out there, they're going to jump on because, you know, that's what people do because they don't want you there. All you have to do is just keep his nose clean. And yet you have this and you have Barrett coming out and saying the other day, oh, I'd absolutely, at the AGM, oh, I'd absolutely do this again. And now he's come out and said, well, actually, no, it wasn't. Yeah. And, and somebody wrote, was it, um, oh, somebody wrote uh, an article saying that what Barrett did is just, is, is, a, is a reminder. You know, it's, it's, a, it's harking back to the, to the bad old days under the FAI. And it's, and it's the same meeting, we're going to move it on, but it's the same meeting where, you know, afterwards they have to go, oh, by the way, can we have a billion quid for football, please? It's just, it's, yeah. it's so maddening. We we need it needs money, and there's people there that are delighted to see this because if football gets its act together, if football gets its act together, then that's going to put a huge pressure on the other sports in Ireland. If it gets that, but it hasn't hasn't for the last, yeah. it's never had its act together, and it's it must be maddening. It's maddening for me, and it's maddening for you, I'd imagine. And I imagine those people that are involved at grassroots level that do a brilliant job that are in the FEI and they're doing their best and they're trying to bring it forward. You know, I think different departments the social media departments and all that you know they're trying to get the fans engaged and then you have this going on from the top and it's just really lads and as i said you're going to need about 10 years i think anyway about 10 years of just nothing and just just simple governance get a sponsor in and just don't cause any honey problems and then you know we'll take from there anyway uh we'll, we'll move it on uh they are also the FER due back in the doll on the 1st of February to appear in front of the Public Accounts Committee. And yeah, we'll, we'll be covering that as well. I'm sure this will grow arms and legs and if more developing stories from this, we will we will record. We will be there with our microphones, Martin, won't we? Yeah, we will. <laughs> yes. Right, we, we better move on. We, we've gone a bit over on that. Uh, <laughs> unbelievable. Um, it has been reported today uh, that a new man has come in to the running to replace Stephen Kenny as Irish senior manager, and that is 
well, according to the Telegraph, Bayern Munich assistant coach Anthony Barry. He's a leading candidate for the Republic of Ireland job, but it would require a compensation package to land him from the Bundesliga champions after joining them earlier this year. The FAI will have to determine whether Barry is willing to leave his current dual role with Bayern and Portugal to take his first managerial post. He has a contract with Bayern um, with the Germans agreeing a seven-figure compensation package with Chelsea when they target him eight months ago. Uh, there are a load of clubs after him from the Prem, uh, the Championship, Swansea. Basically, um, they're said to be looking, they're trying to replace their manager and they're looking towards Barry, who's very highly sought after, a very highly sought of coach and people feel, well, Martin, he's ready. He's ready for the big time. Um, I'd, I'd have made a mind say today that we're scraping the bottom of the barrel going for him if we do. Now, he's not the only lad in contention, but he's one of them. What do you think? Yeah, I wouldn't say it's scraping the bottom of the barrel no. at all. Uh, um, fantastic coach. You know, we had some great success when he was involved with Ireland um, and so much so that he was targeted by Belgium to be part of their World Cup team. Yeah. Um, and then Tuchel's took him everywhere he's been as well and he's a very successful coach. So, no. Um, he's also come through the FAI coaching setup. So I think that's quite important from a kind of PR spin point of view mm -hmm. that the FAI are looking at people who've kind of from through their model know the setup of Irish football. Uh, internationally and what they're trying to do coaching wise so that's I think another big positive for him my only concern would be if they, I think he's an up-and-coming coach and I think if he started doing well with Ireland we would want some kind of guarantee that he's going to do the in I said this before contract four years because he's going to be tapped up and well um, I, I I think for different roles and we're in the same position then in four years time I said that we're going to, like, the next manager would have to be a risk. Look, Kenny was a risk. It was a calculator risk. Um, I think the next manager has to be, look, Carsley would be, would be a punt. And obviously, Barry would be a punt. Barry's 37, Carsley's 50. Um, but you'd have to have a contingency plan because it's going to be a case of, do you want four years? Barry's probably, well, I think at 41. Yeah, actually, he could. You know, he'd be 37. He'd be just one year older than Mick McCarthy, I think, when, when he got the job in 96. And you'd have somebody beside him say, look, if you do brilliantly, you're going to be sought after. So we're going to, you're going to train the guy beside you. Let's say, for argument's sake, John O'Shea. You train him up. And then when he comes in, he's going to have his successor next to him. And we just have, you know, like the Liverpool way back in the 60s, 70s and 80s. I think that's how we're going to have to do it. We're not going to be able to afford a tippy-top manager. We're either going to pay for someone like Steve Bruce, which I don't think is going to happen, or Chris Hewton, um, who's doing absolutely terribly at Ghana at the moment. Um, no, I, I agree with you. I think Barry would be, I think he'd be a risk, a calculator risk, but I think he'd be a mass improvement on uh, Stephen Kenny. Do not underestimate his um, influence. Nick would never forgive us if we didn't mention it. Uh, <laughs> But, you know, absolutely spot on. His influence on that team. He structured that team to set pieces. You know, we were so much better with Barry and we have we never recovered. Uh, really, another um, manager, it was hotly reported yesterday that Lee Carsley, well, yesterday he had two managers. The 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 shortlist was uh, dwindled down to two. Lee Carsley or Chris Hewton now, apparently Anthony Barry as well. Um, somebody came out, we'll talk about Shay Given in a minute about Carsley, but somebody came out and said, I think it was Kevin Doyle, actually. Um, did he say it about, um, he said about Chris Hewton that, look, don't think, 
because he's 65 that he's uh, he's yesterday's man. Like he, mm. he's still learning, he's still developing. Because the concern about him would be going back to playing the sort of antiquated style of football, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? Like he did under Brighton and Norwich and. Yeah, well, it was Kevin Doyle. Yeah, and he, he did say that you know he, he is a progressive coach and, and and done very very well and got teams out of the championship. And also, I think referenced the fact that that's where a lot of our players are. They're championship level players, so he's got great experience of working with players at that level. Um, and I think yeah, that that is a huge positive for Chris Hewton. Um I know, you know, I think the the, the Carsey thing is is very interesting. And I was going to make the point there where we're talking about Barry is. I think it, this is not going to be the, the end of this is not going to be the dream pinnacle job for Barry. I no. think it's it, this is going to be a stepping stone, and I think that's why it won't happen. It's too early for him. Whereas I think Carsley, as an international manager and successful one at that with England, it may well be what he wants to do, like be an international manager, because he's probably the other option he has got is to step up to be the England manager. Whether he's going to hold out for that and be a big enough name for England to kind of entertain is another matter. But I think for us as an Irishman, we want him possibly in there because he is so highly regarded and it maybe suits him. He's very like analytical, very detailed and stuff. I think it was Jolien Lescott who said it to Shay Given. Mm. So we've gone around the houses in our information, of course. But Shay was saying like what he's heard about him is fantastic. And, you know, if there's any inkling of interest there, I think, you know, his age, his profile, a young up-and-coming kind of manager in a sense that he has had some club experience, of course, but he's had success internationally. It suits him working with the kind of the kind of program, the time frame program yeah. of you have a set players coming into you for a certain time and you you work with them for that kind of period, then you go away and analyze and you give them the detail for the matches. That's what's critical in international football. What, and I what, think that's what might serve him well and, and be the number one candidate now. What did you make of yesterday? Man of mine sent me uh, getting our information from fucking every... <laughs> from our sources, our mates and WhatsApp. Mm. But he did send me a screenshot on Oz Checker that Chris Coleman uh, <sighs> is partly, well, as of yesterday, he, he was uh, the favourite at 3 to 1. Yes, I was. Bookies moving rubbish. I think, I, I hope so. I really hope so. Dreadful. Uh, yeah, Chris Hewton, Lee Carsey, Neil Lennon, and Chris Hewton, apparently. Yeah, I mean, in I mean, that order. Jonathan Hildo has said, you know, that it is an attractive job, and, and, he, and he is right. Yeah. He said, because this team is, is young and up and coming. Like we want, have, want them in by February. Yeah, they do. And I think, again, for the positive spin as well. But I think, you know, that that's the sell season tickets and, and move things along. And Chris, I, I Chris, think Chris... We, we've got a kind of, if they've spoken to everyone, all the candidates they think mm. they have kind of outlined. You'd hope that it's very positive and going to move quite quickly now. And I know that different managers have different commitments. So, for example, um, there'll be a release clause I'm expecting with England but, under 21. Chris Hewton. Chris Hewton Chris... will be out of it, won't he, by then? Well, well you see, here's the thing. Um, Chris Hewton, I think, is in the African Cup of Nations and, uh, yeah. with Ghana. So, if he gets bombed out and he gets fired, and it's like, oh, that's great. Because, you know, somebody looked at that and went, and, and I think it's fair. Well, if we're if they're looking to employ someone by February, they'll be, you know, the African Cup of Nations will be done. So if they bomb, if he's bombed out of that job because they have an appalling African Cup of Nations, is, do we really want to bring Chris Hewton on board? 
I think you can't really compare the jobs though, in a sense. So you know, he he took that, didn't need to kind of stay relevant yeah. in football. And he, I, I don't know, Forest. He was dreadful at Forest. Players. He didn't. Yeah, he, he wasn't great there. But I think it's just kind of another chance. Very experienced. I'd have no problem with it in a way if he brought in very very high class coaches that were part of the kind of future kind of plan, like like mm. you've alluded to. So, um, but I think for me, Carsley coming in there will be an interesting one and I think you will probably get the honourable contractual kind of situation with him that I think you can say right you're an international manager you know how this works this is four years give it to us 2028 euros in our own backyard that should be your aim after the world cup of course but this is a fantastic job for you to kind of look at working towards and then we'll work it from there and that it's like a young Mick in a sense you know, you know, you know what you get though. Like it'll be, you know, if you do get someone like Barry in, it'd be, oh, I miss a day today involvement of the football. Mm. <laughs> you know, you hear all this shit again. But anyway, um, I mean, hopefully by February, that's when the FEI are going to look to have um, their man in place and the women's manager in charge by Christmas. So hopefully an early Christmas present there. We shall see. We'll keep you updated on that. Right, we're going to finish up with a final topic, and that is. Well, yeah, I don't know if you've seen it. On, uh, I'm not going to show it on here because of copyright. But um, yeah, basically during a Turkish game, uh, a Super League game, on just on the Monday just gone, um, referee got punched in the face by the president of the club. <laughs> of a club. There you go. Why not? Um, just to give you a bit of background on it, Turkish referee Halil Amut uh, Meller, I'm sure I'm butchering that, is left hospital after being treated for injury suffered in an attack at the end of a Super League game on Monday. Meller, who received a small fracture under his eye when hit by MKE Ankara Gucci president Farouk Kocha after his close match. Sorry, Martin, I, I, I hear you. Um, are you okay, dude? You need to blow your nose. I make some weird sounds over there. This is Turkish football, yeah? It's not Luton Town, is it? They're not playing. We'll nope. butcher that name as well, don't no, we? No, 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 no. Let's just focus <laughs> on the task at hand um, against K. Kerr. What is the score? Was picture, he was pictured leaving the hospital. Oh, I'm not even going to try and pronounce the name of that fucking hospital. The hospital Ankara, which, by the way, is the capital of Turkey, not Istanbul. Eat your heart out, Jim White. Uh, I remember he actually said that on that. Oh, the capital of Turkey, Istanbul. And I, I was in the gym. I almost threw away through the fucking window drives me mad that does anyway uh turkish football's federation at tff suspended domestic football in the country indefinitely in the wake of the incident and on wednesday uh confirmed in a press conference that all leagues would resume on december 19th the tff president mehud met met me oh it's late fuck off um but yakeshi said meller would not be quitting referee because of the attack which is you know why should he turkish justice minister yilmaz tunk said on his twitter account on tuesday that katja had been arrested for injuring and threatening a public servant due to his public duty uh katja later renounced his retirement as president uh via his club's official website you've seen the incident Martin. absolutely disgraceful i mean we're not making light of it you're just making light of my yeah. below george my below george hamilton um rate punctuate uh pu- pronunciation jesus yeah it is late folks yeah. by the way um yeah no, no out, completely outrageous the incident and yeah we, we you've got to clamp down on that in, in football and circles because we know that it does 
filter through. And they're hosting the Euros after yeah. us in 2032. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, yeah, look, you just got to condemn that. It's not, not needed in football, not nice to see. And fair play, mm-hmm. like the, the Turkish FA seem to have taken action quite promptly to kind of suspend all football and, you know. Disgusting. It's, it's, yeah. It's it's disgusting. Uh, if you haven't seen it, have a look at it. It's absolutely appalling. And our best wishes uh, to uh, Miller. Miller? Miller. Yeah, no, our <laughs> best wishes there. No, honestly, I mean, that's absolutely dreadful. The lad's doing his job. Look, we don't always agree with referees. And there's a couple of referees that, you know, you probably love to give a kick up the arse. But, you know, we, we said it metaphorically. We don't actually mean that. These guys are doing their jobs. <sighs> absolutely terrible. But anyway, that is where we're going to leave this one here, Martin. We're going to wrap it up. But, not before we give you guys a quick reminder. If you're in the London area on the 14th of December, and Hendon specifically, even more specifically, the Cladder Ring, Martin and I will be over there. Martin is going to interview the Liam Brady. The Liam Brady. So special, he's called The Liam Brady. But yes, <laughs> the Liam Brady interview, which will be taking place in the Cladder Ring. Uh, it is free admission on the door, by the way. it's We reckon the interview is going to start about half, well, half seven. Get there for seven. Get there for seven yeah. o'clock. Free admission. Uh, you can buy his book and he'll sign it for you. £25. All proceeds go to the North London Hospice. That is the North London Hospice. Martin and myself will be there. We're going to have a great crack. It's to do with Risk London, as you can see up there. If you're watching on YouTube, you've got the little Santi hat on there. And Lansdowne Roar down the bottom right. Ooh, controversial, Martin. Um, we'll... we'll Basically, we're changing the name to Lands and Roar. There, I said it. <laughs> <laughs> there, I fucking said it. Lands and Roar. Um, we're we're going to change the name to. Basically, we're going to change the website address to landsandroar.ie. There you go. There you go. Yeah, you I'm looking forward to it as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, basically, nothing's going to change in the way we do things. Uh, we're, we're still going to be going to the games. So yeah, I haven't uh, suspended my uh, taking my lanyard away from me uh, for the reporting over the last few weeks. But yeah, it's going to be the same. But it's just we're just we're just uh, tidying things up a little bit. But that, there you go, the Lean Brady interview. That's in the clattering tomorrow night. Martin and I, they come and say hello, please do. We'd love to see it. Love to have a chat as well. And if you want to buy me a drink, well, why not? You'll mind to turn that down not for martin though no. uh if you need a book martin has them he doesn't just do tickets folks he does books as well <laughs> 25 pounds proceeds go to the north london hospice uh it's going to be a fantastic night and i cannot wait for it well that brings us to the close of another state of play episode thank you very much thank you for your comments do comment below on the youtube channel if you don't follow us on youtube well, why not? Head over to Lansdowne Road, YouTube, Lansdowne Road, and give us a cheeky subscribe. Tell your friends, if you like what we do here, please leave a review, a five-star review. Please tell everybody about the the podcast that is actually the voice of the fans. You can also head over to greensheetpodcast.com for now, uh, and you can get all of our episodes, an audio version of this, articles, and all of that jazz. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, too. Well, Martin? I will see you tomorrow in the Cloud of Ring with your suitcase full of books. And hopefully we'll see you on the next episode of The State of Play. Good night. All right.